Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. It is so awesome to be here. Who's having a good conference so far? All right, this is amazing. We got 17,000 people here in this former NFL stadium. I'm kind of moved just to know JP2 came here about a little over 20 years ago. He was right here giving a talk. That's amazing. So, you know, I want to start off as I've been praying over the last several weeks, several months about this presentation and all of you. I, 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 I want to ask you a question. I don't, I don't know about you, but do, do you ever feel intimidated by the saints? Do you ever feel like, you know, you hear the stories of the saints and, uh, and you just can feel a little overwhelmed and going, wow, they're just so holy and so prayerful and so perfect. And I know my own life, I, I don't feel so perfect. And sometimes I feel like I, I can't relate. And, you know, especially when you hear those crazy, extraordinary things that the saints did. Do you ever hear the stories like that? Like a saint that stays up all night in prayer and he never sleeps. And I'm like, you know, it's like they have a special superhero power, you know, that they can just stay up and never sleep. And I'm like, I don't have that power. I like sleep. So that's just kind of hard. <laughs> you know, do you ever hear about a saint that just like fasts? They don't eat any food for a whole week. It's like, wow, that's incredible. I don't have that power. I like food. <laughs> I need to eat. You know, or, or you hear about them reading people's souls or levitating. Or my favorite one is when they bilocate. They're in two different places at the same time. And I'm like, I, I can't even be at the one place I'm supposed to be at the right time. This is really hard. <laughs> you know, as Catholics, we put the saints uh, on a high pedestal, as we should. We should put them there because we we're celebrating the great work God has done in their lives, and we should honor and venerate them, and they inspire us to live better. But we can't forget that they were human, that they were one of us. These were men and women that had problems. They had disputes. They made mistakes. You know, I, I think about the art in St. Peter's Square. I, I love taking pilgrims to Rome. And one of the first places we go is right into St. Peter's Square. And you're greeted by these 140 statues above the colonnade there. Uh, and they're welcoming us. But these were people who had complicated problems. They had disputes with each other. They, they struggled in prayer sometimes. They didn't always get it right. But here's the thing. Each time they fell, they got up again. And they learned to rely on God's grace. And they learned to trust in his mercy and the treasures of his grace that God gave, him, gave them through the church. What I want to share with you tonight is about how they were changed. They were changed. These were men and women who were transformed. And, and what God did in those saints, he wants to do in ordinary people like you and me. So tonight, my friends, what we're going to do is we're going to get to the very heart of the gospel. You know, when, when Christians talk about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, they talk about how we were made for love. We were made out of love. We're made for relationship with God. But we turned away from God. We rejected him. We, 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 we were separated from him. There was a broken relationship, but God never abandons us. He seeks us out. He even became one of us, and he gave his life up for us on the cross. He died for us. And again, that, that's the climax of, of the gospel message story. It's beautiful. But the gospel doesn't end there. And sadly, many Christians, when they talk about the gospel, they, they just stop right there with Christ's death on the cross. 
Don't get me wrong, that's the high point, but, but what, what happened 2,000 years ago on Good Friday, Christ wants to apply to our lives today, and he wants to, to, to take that and, and relive that through us, his amazing love. Any JP2 fans here? JP2 is one of my great heroes, and he always held up this cross. I love this image. He always held up the cross. And, and he talked about how the cross reveals to us the fullness of God's love. When you look at a cross, you see the love of God. But that's not all. JP2 also said that when you, you look at the cross, you see the love to which we are all called. That this is the love that we're called to. When, I know when, when I look at a cross, I, 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 I see such faithfulness. I see such courage. I, I see such, such sacrifice. I see just amazing love. When I look at the cross, I, I see such patience, such mercy, forgiveness. I see such trust. His last words on the cross before he dies, he, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's, it's amazing love, and, I, and I'm in awe of that. I'm so thankful for that love. But I also see I, I fall short of that love in so many ways. I don't trust the Father as much as I should. I want to, but there's many times I, I, I'm afraid. There's many times when and I don't want to put my life in the Father's hands. I, I, I want to control things myself. I want things in my hands. I want to cling on to my plans and my dreams and what I think is going to make me happy. And I have to have this. And when I'm controlling and, and trying to manage everything, it just leaves me anxious and worried about many things. And, I, and I'm not loving the way Jesus loves. I, I'm not as patient as he is. I, I don't forgive as quickly as he does. I don't sacrifice as much as he does. I don't know, do any of you ever feel this? When you look at the cross, do you ever feel, wow, there's, there's areas I, I can grow in sacrificial love? How many people have areas in life where you can grow in sacrificial love? Okay, most people raise, is there anyone not raising your hand? Because if so, I want to meet you. Because <laughs> that means you're a saint already. And if I meet you and touch you, I could become a third-class relic, and that would be really cool! Maybe the heart of the message I want to share with you tonight is this. God wants to do so much more than just forgive us of our sins. He, that's what he does on the cross. It's, it's the way we get forgiveness, but he's coming to give us so much more than forgiveness. Jesus doesn't just want to pardon you like a judge. He wants to heal you like a physician. And this is the heart of the Catholic gospel. Jesus doesn't just want to pardon you like a judge. He wants to heal you like a physician. You know, I think about in my own life, like there's so many areas I need to be healed of. I, I, I want Jesus to come into the roots of my sins. Those sins I keep bringing to confession over and over again, I keep struggling with and I, I just can't change. I want, I want that deep healing. And I, I want that in, in my relationship with God and all my relationships. I think about my dear wife. That we've been married 23 plus years. She's amazing. And I really do love my wonderful wife, but, but my love falls short many times. I'm not always as kind as I should be. I can be impatient, I could be selfish, I could be proud, I can have a tone of voice. I, I don't wanna do that, but, but I know I fall short. And every time I, I, I go to Beth, I've done this thousands of times in our marriage, I, I say I'm sorry, and she says, I forgive you. She has an untiring forgiveness. It's beautiful. And I'm so thankful that she forgives me. But wouldn't it be really cool if I got more than forgiveness? 
I mean, wouldn't it be really cool if I actually started to get better and was more kind and generous and loved more like Jesus loves? Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, imagine if I was in my, my men's group and I was sharing about my weaknesses and struggles with my, my, my fellow men and, 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 and one of the men was a Catholic doctor and he says, oh, Dr. Shri, did you know that there's this new medicine you could take? It's amazing. If you take this medicine, you'll, you'll get better in all these areas. You'll overcome those sins and weaknesses. It won't happen right away, but if, you, if you're faithful, you take it every week, maybe several times a week, over the course of many weeks, many months, many years, you'll gradually notice a change. You'll love more and more like Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing if there was a drug like that that we could take? Well, you're not going to find that at your local pharmacist. But Jesus is the divine physician, and he does give us this powerful healing through his church, through his sacraments. In fact, the early Christians talked about how, how the sacraments, the greatest sacrament of all, the Eucharist, was the, 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 the medicine of immortality. That through Christ's church we receive, through the sacraments, through its teachings, through the fellowship and prayer of the church, we receive profound healing in our souls. It reminds me of this image I want to show you here. If it comes up, come on. There we go. All right. <laughs> um, this is an image Thomas Aquinas used, my great fr friend's a dear mentor, teacher. I mean, not really, he's been dead for many centuries, but, but, but I, I love Thomas Aquinas. And, and, and he and, and, and many theologians, even before him, used this image of an iron rod put into fire. And he talked about if you put, take an iron rod, you put it into fire, what happens to it? It begins to become hot. You touch it, it's hot. It, it starts to glow. It becomes orange or red. It starts to emit smoke. It begins taking on the properties of fire. And the early church fathers and Aquinas and others have said that's what God wants to do in us. That we're like that iron rod. Our human nature is put into the fire, the furnace of the Holy Spirit through the church, through the sacraments, through the grace that's given us. And we become changed. We're still fallen human beings, but we gradually begin to take on the characteristics of God, of Christ's love. We begin to love like he loves, to forgive like he forgives, to be generous like he's generous. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we become changed. We become changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. Do you long for that transformation in your life? The church is the place of that transformation. It's where God accomplishes his work of salvation the most. You see, I think many times we think the church is just some spiritual club. You know, it's like a bunch of like-minded people that share spiritual values and we support each other. It's so much more than that. The church isn't just a bunch of people committed to a certain way of life. As Luigi, uh, Luigi Giussani once said, that the, the church isn't a way of life, it is a life. It's a life that's been passed on for 2,000 years through the church from the sacrament of baptism, from generation to generation. It is the life of Christ in me, changing me, so I can become more and more like him. The church is the place where we find true freedom. Now, Paul J. Kim, on the opening night, he talked about St. Augustine. I want to tell you a little more about this great saint's life story. St. Augustine lived a wild life, but his heart was restless, and he knew he knew that he needed, he, he, he needed to change. He was convinced intellectually of, of, his, of, of his weakness and his sins, and he needed to change. And he even became convinced that in Jesus, in the gospel, and in, in the teachings of the church, but he didn't want to enter the church. And so he viewed himself as kind of like spiritual, but not religious, to use a modern phrase. <laughs> 
You know, and so he's just standing on the outside of the church. He's wanting to get better, and he particularly struggled with sexual sin, and he couldn't change. And his own personal self-improvement plan wasn't working as well. And it only was when he converted and began to rely on the graces and the sacraments available to him in the church that he was changed. He experienced profound new levels of freedom in the area of chastity in particular. Now, it wasn't as if he didn't still have struggles. He talks about he still struggled with pride, vanity, and still lustful thoughts, lustful desires. He may not be sleeping around like he was before, but he's still struggling in these areas. And Augustine once said, it's, he says to the Lord in prayer, it's not as though I still don't suffer wounds. He still has wounds, weaknesses, sins. But Lord, it's that you heal them. You heal these wounds over and over again. Do you long for that healing? Do you long to be healed at the deepest levels? Jesus doesn't just want to pardon you like a judge. He loves you so much. He wants to heal you like a physician. And that healing comes to us through the church he gave us. You know, I, I love the word that Jesus uses to describe the church. It's the, a particular word to describe the group of followers, the disciples. Uh, and, and it's the word ekklesia, which is how we translate church, but it comes from two Greek words, ekkalain, which means to call out. And it's a word used in the Old Testament to describe the exodus, where the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, slaves under Pharaoh, and God called them out of their slavery and brought them into freedom and into the promised land. That's the word Jesus used to describe his group of followers, the, those that were ekkalained, if you will. They were called out of that. And, and then what, he, what he's telling us is that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to call us out of our darkness. He wants to call us out of whatever sins and weaknesses are weighing us down. He wants to call us out of our bad habits that we just can't break. He wants to call us out of our fears. He wants to call us out of our anxieties. He wants to call us out of our addictions, our hurts, the false stories we tell ourselves. But sadly, we, we don't experience this calling out, this freedom in the church, because many of us, for, for various reasons, we, we think it's maybe just not possible. I can't be changed. I know myself. I know what I've done. I know what I still struggle with, and many people just feel like they live in shame. I, I, can't, I can never be changed. I love what Sister Bethany said the other night. She pointed out that the very first temptation of the devil, right there in the garden, was the devil said that, that God doesn't want you to become like him. That's a lie from the devil. If you've ever just feel like, I can never change. I can never become a saint. I can never, I, I can't be, and I can never become a saint. I can't even get over the small little thing I, I struggle with over here. If you ever have that voice in your head telling you you can never change, no, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. God wants to free you. He died for you, not just so you could be forgiven, but so that you could be free, that you could be healed, that you could be changed like the iron rod in the fire. But another reason some of us resist finding that healing in the church is we just say, well, why do I want to deal with the church? The church is a mess. I mean, I know many Catholics. They're not the role models of Christian living. Uh, many of the leaders are, are in the church are not perfect. There's been all these scandals. Why would I want to give myself to a church that's so imperfect? But we have to remember the way Jesus, the way God has always worked throughout salvation history has been to work through his human instruments that are weak and far from perfect. I think about Moses in the Old Testament. Like Moses wasn't perfect, and yet God worked through him and part of the Red Sea liberated the people. It's amazing. St. Paul says that this great treasure of salvation, this treasure, that healing that he wants to do, changing us into Christ-likeness, that treasure of salvation 
is passed on in earthen vessels. It's a spiritual, profound, heavenly gift, a treasure, but it's put in earthen vessels. I mean, think about who Jesus chose. When, when Jesus chose certain leaders to go pass on this message of the gospel and pass on salvation, who did he choose? These 12 apostles. Were those men models of holiness? Models of perfection? I mean, look at them. They're fighting with each other. They're arguing who's the greatest. They want vengeance for people. They always get it wrong. They're always making mistakes. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. Like we're a bunch of knuckleheads. And yet God worked through him. That shows his power and his majesty all the more that he can work, work, he can work through our weaknesses. Father Josh talked last night about Peter. How many times Peter made mistakes and yet God continued to work with him and through him. I find this actually encouraging. I, I'm thankful that the church isn't only for perfect people. Because if it were, there wouldn't be room for me. You know, another thing we do is we, we, we sometimes say, as I mentioned earlier, in our culture, we, we don't experience the love, the transformation, the healing from the church because we just say, oh, I just want to be spiritual but not religious. You know, I, 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 I believe in God. I have values, spiritual values, and I believe there's a higher power, and I'll pray every once in a while, and I'll come up with my own moral standards, and I, I want to be nice to people and leave the world a better place. You know, I'll be spiritual but not religious. I don't need a church. And I, I think, you know, I know myself, if I were to adopt the spiritual, not religious movement, I know, my, I know me. I, I would come up with spiritual, moral values that were very comfortable for me, that justified my own way of living. I love it what Father Mike said the other night. You know, I, we make God in our own image. You know, I make a God that likes what I like and, and loves what I love and approves of what I approve of and hates what I, what I hate. And, and, and in other words, I'm making God in my own image. We do this with, with religion as a whole. I think when people say, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious, what they're really doing is saying, you know what? I, I just want to make up my own religion. I just want to be my own pope in my own religion, the church of me. <laughs> I don't want the church of me. I know me. <laughs> and I know myself that I, I need echelane. I need, I need to be called out of myself, my selfishness. I need to be called on to greater love, to greater commitment, to, to greater generosity. Uh, I, I, I need a, a church that is calling me out of myself through its teachings, reminding me of the truth of what I'm made for, to love like Jesus loves, not just be nice, not just avoid being a jerk to other people. No, no, I'm called to love like Jesus loves. Jesus, help me to love like you, and I'm so thankful that you gave us the church to call me out of myself, and especially through the sacraments, to liberate me from my selfishness, to bring me out of myself and into true freedom, which is found in you. Last thing. <laughs> Last thing I'll leave you with here. I think some people might say, well, I, 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 I do want Jesus, uh, but I just want a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't want a church. I mean, that's just too complicated, all the ritual and all these popes, and look at all these bishops here, and then you've got uh, all these catechisms and canon law. It's just too complicated. I just want a simple personal relationship with Jesus. That's how I find my true healing and, 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 and grow spiritually. Have you ever heard people say things like that? Well, well here's the thing. It, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but Jesus wants so much more than that. 
Because you can have a personal relationship with anyone. You can have a personal relationship with your spouse, your family, your friends. You could also have a personal relationship with the mailman, with the person that gives you your coffee, uh, with the person at the checkout line. Like that's just a pretty vague personal relationship. The Bible doesn't use that language primarily. When the Bible describes the kind of relationship Jesus came to give us, he came not to just pardon us and forgive us like a judge. He came to heal us deeply. And the language God uses in Scripture is that of covenant. And covenant makes family bonds. In the Bible, when there's people that are in tension with each other, families warring with each other, and they make a covenant together, it's not just a nice little treaty. They become family. They, They become brothers and sisters afterwards. That's the profound relationship God wants us to have. He doesn't save us just individually, but within the family. And this is so dear to me in the last few days, because just six days ago, the Sri family celebrated our first child's marriage. We had the first marriage in the Sri family six days ago. And it was so fun experiencing the love of my daughter Madeline and her husband Caden and the love of the brothers and sisters coming together and all the family and friends being there. It was, it was just amazing. But the next day after the wedding, they came to see us for New Year's Eve dinner and before we were heading out for Seek. And, and I, I remember Caden, my, my new son-in-law, he came and he was holding one of my daughters and just giving her a hug and saying, you're my sister now. See, that's what marriage does. Marriage is a covenant. It's not just a personal relationship. It's a covenant, and covenant makes family. And, and, and people have said to me, oh, how does it feel losing your daughter? I go, I didn't lose my daughter, I gained a son. Because <laughs> covenant makes family. And, and I think, I think in my own life, I've been thinking about my relationship with my wife. I'll put her up here. So. I remember 23 years ago, that's from the wedding. (laughs) We got married a little over 23 years ago, and I've been thinking a lot about our engagement and all. And, um, you know, we were dating for a while and had a personal issue with when we were dating, but when we were getting ready for marriage, it was a whole different thing. When we were getting ready for marriage, now all of a sudden there's other people involved, her family. I remember, like, I was pretty confident Beth was going to say yes when I proposed, but I was really nervous about asking her dad permission. I mean, he's a really nice guy and everything, but it was just, I don't know, the formality. I was just so scared. And I, we showed up for dinner and I was going to, you know, ask him the question after dinner. I'm like, I, I, I'm not eating. My stomach hurts. I'm just feeling really awful. And we go into the living room. I'm just so nervous. And um, he, he's talking to me about the World Series. We're watching some baseball game. And I, I just cut him off. And I just say, could we talk? You know, really awkwardly. And he says, sure. And I said, could we go out for coffee? And he says, oh, you want to talk. <laughs> so we go to get our coats on, and we're getting ready to leave, and then his wife sees us and goes, oh, where are you guys going? And he says, oh, we're going to go for coffee. And she says, oh, I can make a pot over here for you, a pot of coffee for you. And, she, and, and he says, oh, no, no, Ted wants to go out and talk. And she says, oh, well, we can go in the other room. And, and he says, no, Ted wants to talk. And she says, oh. <laughs> Obviously, it all turned out great. <laughs> we left and, you know, no use going back to the baseball game, I just said. I bet you know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so it all turned out wonderful. But what was clear to me, it was no longer just about me and Beth. 
When we were dating, it was a personal relationship. It was just me and Beth. But now that we're getting married, it's about me and Beth and her father and her mother and her brothers and her sisters and her many hundreds of cousins and uncles and aunts in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> it's all in the family. Covenant makes family. And the same is true. Jesus didn't come to just pardon you individually. I'll pardon you and you can just get into heaven maybe someday. No, no. He came to heal you deeply. And he doesn't do it, you can't do it on your own. He does it with the family, the church. So it's not just me and Jesus. It's me, Jesus, and his father becomes my father. His heavenly father becomes my father through grace because of the grace I have from baptism. That life of Jesus really dwelling within me and changing me. I have the life of Christ in me. So as St. Paul says, with the spirit of Christ in me, I can cry out, Abba, Father. And that's not just a nice metaphor. God really becomes my father through grace. It's real. And, and his mother, Mary, isn't just this random thing over here, this Catholic Mary thing. No, no. Mary is our spiritual mother. Because Christ's life is dwelling within me. Mary's my spiritual mother and she's up in heaven praying for us every day. And you and I are truly brothers and sisters. Many of you I've never met before. But because of your baptism, you have the life of Christ dwelling within you. And that same life of Christ is dwelling within me. We are truly brothers and sisters on the supernatural level, which is more profound than even the natural level we have with our siblings back home. And, and, and the saints in heaven, they're not just these, these random people out there and we admire. No, no, the saints in heaven, they're our brothers and sisters who've gone before us. They have struggled with what we've struggled with. They've been transformed by God's grace. They fought the good fight. They've won the race. They have the imperishable crown in heaven, Paul says. And they're up there cheering for us in heaven, praying for us that we may learn to love like Jesus loved, just like they learned to love that through Christ's grace and through his church. This is the family of God. This is why we have the Pope. The Pope is our spiritual father leading us along the way. Jesus promised that, that he would be faithful in teaching the truth through the Pope. And we think about all these bishops. Hasn't this been amazing? Have you ever seen so many bishops together? Let's give it up for our bishops here. They're our spiritual fathers as well. And how about the hundreds and hundreds of priests? What a procession we have every day. And to be in this dome, and to be all gathered together as brothers and sisters, praying for our popes, praying with our bishops, praying with our priests, at the family meal, at the Eucharist, where we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And we can go to confession like we did last night and receive real forgiveness. This is how we're changed. This is how we're transformed. My friends, Jesus doesn't just want to pardon you like a judge. He wants to heal you like a physician. And he does that through the church. We're so thankful for the church. Jesus, I thank you, you gave us the church. And I pray that you may lead us, Jesus, through the church to you and your perfect love in heaven forever. Amen. Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.